I'm Jeffrey Rosen, President and CEO of the National Constitution Center, and welcome to We the People, a weekly show of constitutional debate. The National Constitution Center is the only institution in America chartered by Congress to disseminate information about the U.S. Constitution on a nonpartisan basis. On December 5th, the Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in Masterpiece Cake versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission, a case examining how to balance free speech against claims of discrimination. The question is whether the government can compel a bakery owner to act in ways uh, such as baking a wedding cake for a gay couple that he claims violate his First Amendment rights of free speech and free exercise of religion. Joining us to discuss these crucial constitutional questions are two of America's leading thinkers on civil rights law and the Constitution. Vanita Gupta is the president and CEO of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights. The Leadership Conference joined an amicus brief in this case with other civil rights groups. And Michael Moreland is university professor of law and religion and director of the Eleanor H. McCullen Center for Law, Religion, and Public Policy at Villanova Law School. He joined an amicus brief along with 34 other legal scholars supporting the cake shop owner. Michael, Vanita, thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Jeff. Glad to be here. Let's jump right into the facts of the case, and the facts may be relevant to the constitutional dispute. Uh, Michael, can you tell us about who Jack Phillips was? He uh, operated Masterpiece Cake Shop, a Colorado bakery that creates and sells custom cakes, and why he decided not to uh, sell a wedding cake to the petitioners in this case and, uh, and, and, and how the case was teed up. Sure. Um, well, Jack Phillips is a, a Christian who owns and operates a cake shop called Masterpiece uh, Cake Shop in Colorado, as you mentioned, and he uh, harbors uh, sincere religious objections to same-sex marriage. And uh, so the uh, the couple in this case, Charlie Craig and David Mullins, uh, came to Masterpiece Cake Shop, and they asked uh, Phillips to. Actually, they they presented themselves and and talked about uh, their desire to have a cake made for their wedding, and he stopped them right there and said that he would not make a cake uh, for a same-sex wedding, that he didn't do it uh, for same-sex weddings at all, and that he was willing to sell them any other baked goods, but just not design a cake in particular. And I should add that, uh, as Philip says, he isn't merely kind of a baker, but he's also a cake artist. There's a lot of work that goes into designing and uh, baking a cake uh, for an occasion like this. And so he argues that there's an expressive element uh, to uh, making a wedding cake in this context. And so he refused to do so. And so uh, Craig and Mullins uh, filed a claim um, with the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, which agreed with them that this constituted uh, discrimination based on a Colorado statute that prohibits uh, discrimination in place of public accommodation on various grounds, including sexual orientation. That decision um, was then affirmed by the Colorado Court of Appeals uh, against Phillips's argument about uh, freedom of speech and freedom of religion that were violated here. And the U.S. Supreme Court uh, this past summer took cert in the case to uh, resolve it uh, at that level. Thanks so much for that. Uh, Vinia, is, is there any dispute about those facts, uh, the way uh, Michael and, and also the uh, U.S. government in its brief uh, presented it. This was very much a custom cake where Charlie Craig and David Mullen sat down at a cake consulting table and told him about the special cake that they wanted. And he says uh, that he will make any other cake to bake goods for a same-sex couple. Is, is that uh, disputed or, or, or not? And what would you add to the fact of the case? 
Well, I think um, it's important to distinguish what this case is about and what it isn't about. This case is about whether laws against discrimination can continue to be enforced without sweeping exemptions. Uh, it involves a business that's open to the public that refused service to a couple because they were gay. Uh, it is not about cake and actually uh, is not also about the First Amendment. Um, and, and fundamentally, the question before the Supreme Court now on December 5th is whether there's a constitutional right to discriminate in violation of long-standing laws that apply to businesses that are open to the public, just like Masterpiece Cake Shop is. And so, um, and as, uh, you know, as Professor Garnett explained, the, the couple, uh, Charlie Craig and Dave Mullins, when they went to Masterpiece Cake Shop with Charlie's mother, Debbie Munn, to purchase a cake for their wedding reception, they were informed by uh, Mr. Phillips, the bakery's owner, that they were a same-sex that that because they were a same-sex couple, he told them that they would not that he would not serve them because of his religious beliefs, uh, and that he only provides services to heterosexual couples. And so, the, there is a fundamental question that emanates out of uh, long-standing jurisprudence in this in this country about whether laws against discrimination can continue to be enforced without those sweeping exemptions. So, I think that's that's an important distinction about how uh, how I understand the question to be before the court. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Michael Zunita says there are uh, cases suggesting that anti-discrimination laws can't uh, be the grounds for general uh, exemptions of otherwise legal uh, uh, conduct. Uh, but in this case, the uh, uh, government is endorsing the claim that there are First Amendment principles rooted in the free speech clause of the First Amendment that forbid compelled speech. And they cite uh, cases uh, such as Hurley versus Irish American Gay, Lesbian, and Bisexual Group of Boston, uh, uh, as well as uh, other cases. Can you tell us about the government's argument that the First Amendment free speech clause forbids compelled speech, and, and what limiting principles does the government propose? Sure, and I think uh, you already see that a lot depends here on how you how you frame the case. Ms. Gupta, understandably, is pushing the argument that it's about an exemption from anti-discrimination law, and I think those of us on the other side of the case uh, want to say, no, it's more a case about compelled expression and compelled participation in an expressive event, namely a wedding, um, that is uh, that is beyond what the First Amendment allows the government to require. And so you're right, there are a long line of cases, West Virginia versus Barnett, a famous case about compelled recitation of the Pledge of Allegiance, a case called Woolley versus Maynard about uh, having the motto of New Hampshire on your license plate uh, that you uh, don't want to, to have on license plate. Hurley, which was a case uh, that you mentioned about whether a group, and interestingly, Hurley is a case that also is about a public accommodation requirement that uh, the state there in Massachusetts said that the parade organizers had to include uh, a, a group uh, that they didn't want to include. Um, and the court unanimously in Hurley said that, no, the First Amendment protected the uh, right of freedom of expression of the group in that setting. And so I think that uh, that's you're right. That's what the the government's argument, uh, the brief filed by the Solicitor General and a lot of those of us on the on the side of the Baker here, are saying that this case is like Barnett, it's like Hurley, it's like Woolley versus Maynard, that in the context of you know particular custom made design 
uh, of a product that has an expressive and inherently expressive element like a wedding cake here and forced participation in an expressive event like like the wedding that that is something that the free speech clause of the first amendment protects uh someone from having to uh from having to participate in Thanks so much for that. So, Vanita, as, as Michael uh, puts it, the government really is pushing this idea of compelled speech. And in its brief, it says that a content-neutral law should trigger heightened scrutiny when it compels both expression and participation in an expressive event. That's obviously designed to appeal to someone like Justice Kennedy, who might not want to carve a broad exemption out of anti-discrimination laws, but just limit it to these extremely expressive activities. What What is your response to, to this attempt to fr frame the case as a, as a free speech case? Well, I, I just don't see it as a free speech case. I think this case is about really one thing, and that's discrimination. Uh, it isn't about cake. It isn't about the First Amendment. Um, obviously, in this country, we are allowed to say and believe what we want. It's what makes this country so great, but we can't discriminate uh, and free speech doesn't mean that a business that is open to the public can turn customers away because of who they are. Um, you know, if a bakery provides custom cakes to straight couples, it has to provide those same cakes, cakes to LGBT customers. And freedom of religion, which is one of our most fundamental rights as Americans, uh, it does not give us or any of us the right to harm other people or to impose our beliefs on others or to discriminate. And there is a long chain of cases. This isn't the first time that courts have encountered and I would say rejected objections by businesses to non-discrimination laws on religious or free speech grounds. Uh, in 1964, soon after the Federal Civil Rights Act was enacted to bar race discrimination by places of public accommodation, there was a small chain of barbecue restaurants in South Carolina called Picky Park that uh, continued to refuse service to African-American customers. And the owner had argued in that case that his religious beliefs about integration should allow him to break the law. And he lost at every stage, including the Supreme Court. Um, the Supreme Court also rejected Bob Jones University's argument in a, in a different case that it had uh, a freedom of religion right to refuse to admit interracial couples or students who supported interracial marriage. Um, and so it is, you know, there's there's other precedent in other cases. A newspaper argued for a free speech right to post a help wanted ad that listed jobs for men and women, sorry, that listed jobs for men separately and jobs for women separately, and it was in violation of anti-discrimination laws. In another case in which a law firm sought to defend its refusal to hire women as partners, claiming that the First Amendment allowed the partnership to choose to associate only with other men, and the Supreme Court rejected both of those of those arguments. And so, uh, you know, I think right now there is a tremendous amount at stake with this case. As a nation, we have already time and time again rejected the idea that businesses that are open to the public have a right to discriminate against people because of who they are. This case presents... Uh, the very dangerous notion that you can constitutionalize a right to discriminate uh, and permitting businesses to exempt themselves from laws that bar discrimination would really, in effect, be sliding us backwards to a time when businesses that are open to the public uh, and have engaged in blatant discrimination against people based on religion, race, gender, and more would be sanctioned. And I just, I don't think that's who we are as a country. I think we have decided as a nation to close that chapter of our history which is why we have the kinds of laws that Colorado does that ensure that businesses don't discriminate among customers based on, on who they are. 
Thanks so much for that. Uh, Michael, what is your response to uh, Vanita's claim that uh, civil rights era cases such as the uh, barbecue case uh, foreclose the result that you're seeking? And, and more broadly, tell us about how you think that the religious freedom provisions of the First Amendment apply here, and, and what's the limiting principle against creating a general right of all religiously scrupulous people to refuse to obey anti-discrimination laws? Well, uh, not surprisingly, I would uh, dispute Ms. Gupta's characterization of this being a case where uh, Jack Phillips is discriminating against uh, Charlie Craig and David Mullins because of who they are. Uh, if, that, if it were that kind of case, um, then I would be more sympathetic to, this, to the state's position here and to the position of the, uh, of the other side. But again, it's a case not about discriminating against them because of who they are, but it's a case about forcing someone to create uh, because he is in a creative profession, right? He's like a baker, uh, other bakers, or a florist, or a photographer, or a painter, or a writer, who uh, says that he will use his talents for some reasons but not others, and that he will not uh, use his talents to express or endorse or participate in expressive activities to which he has uh, objection. And, and if you accept the uh, position of the state here, uh, he can be compelled to do that. And that's where, again, I think that the uh, compelled speech cases like Hurley uh, and all the way back to Barnett are strongly uh, on the side of, uh, of, 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 of Jack Phillips here. On the religious freedom argument, uh, I think, uh, in all fairness, I think most people would say that's uh, more of a difficult argument uh, for the baker here. The compelled speech argument is where much of the uh, interest on the part of the amicus briefs uh, has focused. Uh, but on the religious freedom, and that's because of, of course, uh, the view that in Employment Division versus Smith, that as long as you have a law of neutrality and general applicability, there's no constitutional right of exemption from it. I will say, though, that uh, it's worth pointing out in this case that um, on the record, the the state showed that there were, or the I should say the baker here showed, that there were examples of bakeries that refused to make cakes where they would have had to have a message on the cakes that was in opposition to same-sex marriage. Um, and they said that that was okay because uh, that meant th those messages were offensive uh, and you could be exempt from having to Put, you know, put something on a cake that you found to be offensive, but that was not applicable here to Jack Phillips. And that's where I think uh, there's some traction to the argument that what has happened here is that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission is, has engaged in selective enforcement uh, of the, of the um, Colorado statute here. Uh, that, in other words, if you're on one side of the issue, uh, you can say, oh, this is an offensive message. I won't, I won't put that on a cake. And you get relief uh, from having to serve everyone who comes. But if you're on Jack Phillips' side, you don't. And I think that, that poses potential problems. And... Uh, if you have that kind of selective enforcement, that's where I think some of the free exercise, free exercise type arguments uh, for the baker here uh, might get some traction. Thanks so much for that. Uh, Benita, say more about uh, the free exercise arguments and the uh, alleged selective enforcement of the Colorado civil rights laws that uh, Michael mentions. And, and then uh, tell us more broadly, the, the liberal justices, in particular Justice Ginsburg, in her dissenting opinion in the Hobby Lobby case, were extremely concerned that recognizing a broad free exercise of religion right to refuse to comply with uh, anti-discrimination laws could lead to a broad range of anti-discrimination laws being uh, eviscerated. So uh, is, is that a concern in this case? And, and, and what's the 
uh, slippery slope that uh, you're afraid that the court might recognize her? Well, so yeah, I mean, I think that there are very broad implications for that for any kind of recognition of a of an exemption or a broad exemption, as as you put it. Let me just say, it isn't just that Justice Ginsburg expressed that concern in that particular case, but there is a line of cases from recently, as you know, from Romer v. Evans, Lawrence v. Texas, or Bergefell v. Hodges, uh, kind of set against that line of cases. Um, there's a question in the Masterpiece Cake Shop about whether we recognize that human dignity uh, that underlies being LGBT and what it means to be rejected and refused for services um, uh, versus granting companies sweeping licenses or exemptions to discriminate against LGBT people on the basis of personal religious conviction. And in the Obergefell decision, um, there is a line in there that says that when sincere personal opposition becomes enacted law and public policy, the necessary consequence is to put the imprimatur of the state itself on an exclusion that soon demeans or stigmatizes those whose own liberty is then denied. And again, going back to the line of cases as far back to 1964, but as recently as the Obergefell decision, I um, it is hard in any which reading and any which framing you give to understand um, how we could create a sweeping exemption uh, for businesses to engage in discrimination without undoing all of that history and, and precedent. And so I think there is a tremendous amount at stake. Uh, in America, as I said, our laws against discrimination really help to ensure that everyone, regardless of who they are, who they love, what color skin uh, they have, uh, what gender they are, uh, can participate in public life. And a loss for Charlie and Dave in this case would sanction discrimination by the state. It's important for people to remember that businesses in this country that open their doors to the public, they can obviously pick and choose what they sell. It doesn't mean that the state can can uh, uh, dictate what a store is going to sell but they cannot pick and choose who their customers will be. And that is the principle, uh, that is just the simple kind of phenomena underlying our anti-discrimination laws. Um, there are really serious harms to people who are turned away based on who they are. It's humiliation and embarrassment and, and shame and fear, and these are aspects of our history that we have sought to uh, make progress on and that the courts have reified from 1964 uh, on. And so... Um, there are a ruling here that would allow discrimination in this case could permit discrimination against women, minority faith, people with minor of minority faith, people of color, and LGBT people. If if the court carves out a broad exemption and non-discrimination laws for so-called creative enterprises, um, we could see an explosion of discrimination by restaurants, by event venues, by funeral parlors, by every, any number of kinds of businesses, hair salons. Um, and we have to understand that sanctioning discrimination by, so, by so-called creative enterprises is only going to be the start of, uh, of, a, of uh, a series of other enterprises that will claim a right to discriminate. And I think that that is simply um, against... Uh, all notions of, of constitutional interpretation today in this country, and we will obviously the court will will have the, the final word about that. But nobody in this country is above the law, and we have to, I think, reject all attempts to legalize discrimination. Thanks so much for that, uh, Michael. As Vanita said, there is a strong line of 
cases uh, expressing concern for the dignity of gays and lesbians. Many of them have been written by Justice Kennedy, who also cares a lot about free uh, speech and free exercise of religion. So channel Justice Kennedy, if you will, sort of give us a sense of how he might weigh these competing considerations and what's, what, what kind of narrow principle might he embrace that would limit this exemption to creative artists who offer their services to the, republic, to the, to the public but not uh, open the floodgates to uh, exemptions for women, minorities, and, and, and all the other groups that uh, Vanita mentioned. Right. Well, I don't know how effective I can be at channeling Justice Kennedy, but I will say that uh, as to the dignitary harm, and I, I, I understand the point that Ms. Gupta is making there, but I'd say a couple things. One is that it runs both ways. There's also a dignitary harm here to Jack Phillips, who's being forced now by the state to participate. It would, at least if, if, uh, if he'd been forced to create the cake here. As it turns out, he got out of the wedding cake business altogether, losing uh, less than half of his profits. But uh, that there's a dignitary harm there too, being forced to express a message uh, or to participate in events to which you have uh, sincere religious objections. And also that on the free speech side, I mean, there are dignitary harms uh, all over the place. I mean, hate speech uh, inflicts dignitary harms. Uh, the case about the uh, Snyder versus Phelps about funeral protests, that, there's dignitary harm there uh, to be sure, but uh, that is nonetheless something that uh, the First Amendment protects. It protects freedom of expression. It protects against compelled expression of ideas ideas and views that uh, that you don't have and so that i think then turns to where i think the potential limiting principle is here that where you in context matters in in these free speech cases and i do think that when you have as i said before an inherently expressive uh, kind of enterprise, like a, a cake artist or a writer or a painter, that to for the government to mandate certain kinds of messages, certain kinds of participation to uh, that uh, to which one has objection, uh, then I think that that uh, triggers uh, heightened First Amendment uh, concern. Uh, and look, it's um, you know I, I also understand the point about the analogy to the civil rights era, but. I do think it's different in not just degree but kind between, on the one hand, having to smash through the odious, legally enforced discrimination against African Americans in the Jim Crow South, and here the state's interest in forcing this baker uh, to make a cake for uh, to participate in a same-sex uh, wedding, or at least endorsing a same-sex wedding, when the couple is able to get a cake readily from a, a bakery nearby, uh, and I just I just don't think that we're dealing with the same kinds of, of concerns, and so I, that's why I, I keep pushing back against Ms. Gupta's characterization of discrimination here and going back to the civil rights era, because I do think that we're dealing with a, a different set of concerns here. Thank you for that. Uh, Vanita, uh, tell us about the cases uh, that your side is emphasizing. One that appears often in the briefs is the FAIR case. That was a case where universities wanted to exclude military recruiters from campus because they disapproved of the military's then policy about gays and lesbians in the military. And the Supreme Court unanimously rejected the ability to exclude on the grounds that no reasonable observer would confuse the university's speech with uh, policies uh, uh, involving the military. So uh, here, similarly, the, the argument goes, no one would confuse the requirement to abide by anti-discrimination laws with uh, the actual views of, uh, of, of the bakers. So tell us more about those cases uh, well, the, uh, and others. I guess I, I, um, I don't see how this case 
is that different from the Biggie Park case that the court uh, considered back in 1960, in, in 1964. It, that, that case, as I said, involved an owner of a restaurant in South Carolina who argued that his religious beliefs, again, his religious beliefs about integration here, and this was the integration of of his restaurant with black customers, (coughs) should allow him, uh, that owner, you know, argued that he should be given an exemption um, because it was, having an integrated restaurant would, um, would violate his religious beliefs. And the court decided quite um, especially there that uh, that that was not going to be the law of the land. And indeed, I would say that the 1964 Civil Rights Act itself had considered this very question about um, whether there should be uh, an exemption for uh, people who had religious beliefs that did not um, that did not comport with integration. And so it is I I don't see how this is different. I think that bakeries, in many ways, are kind of the new lunch counters um, uh, in in this particular case. And what we are talking about would create broad um, exemptions and constitutional right to discriminate that wouldn't just be um, applied to LGBT communities. It's hard to see how it would be restricted to that, and that is fundamentally discrimination against LGBT people based on who they are is against the law. I I don't see how you draw the line. Um, I don't see how you square it with with the precedent um, that exists in this country. I think that there's, as again, as I said, freedom of religion, freedom of expression are core freedoms in this country, but they are not... Um, they do not give a license to discriminate. We have anti-discrimination laws on the books even as we have the First Amendment um, that protects speech and religion. And uh, granting a business like Masterpiece Cake Shop a right to refuse to serve customers based on religious objections would create the sweeping license to discriminate, and it would have far-reaching and very damaging consequences on, uh, on many communities um, in this country. Thanks so much for that. Uh, M- Michael, what, what's your strongest and narrowest response to Vanita's concerns. If you, if you were writing this opinion as narrowly as possible, uh, who would it apply to and who wouldn't it? The, the, the government's brief talks about it applying to painters, photographers, poets, actors, musicians, and other professional artists who offer inherently communicative services, but not to other professions. So, so how would you draw the line? Right. I mean, I, I think uh, I think that's the beginning of, of uh, where one would want to draw the line. And to to just respond, and it's, it's pertinent to this, to Ms. Gupta's last point there, this is not a denial-of-service case. Jack Phillips said he would uh, be willing to sell uh, the couple here baked goods uh, for any other occasion. Um, and, in fact, he uh, has a number or had a number of uh, LGBT customers. But it's instead very particular to this this question of whether or not he violated the Colorado statute by virtue of refusing to make something that has an inherently expressive character and whether or not uh, forcing him to do that or, as it turns out, now forcing him to get out of the business and re-educate his staff and file a report with the commission, all that, whether that violates the First Amendment. And I think that that's where, again, if he prevails, I think it will be on the grounds that you know, that when you have something, uh, when, you, when you're in a business that doesn't just you know sell to the general public as a massive undifferentiated goods 
like a convenience store or uh, a gas station or a restaurant or something like that, but that instead where your business has, at least as part of it uh, here with regard to wedding cakes, an inherently expressive dimension uh, as an artist, then I think that uh, forcing you to participate in events and express messages to which you have objection runs headlong into the long line of compelled speech cases. Uh, thanks for that. Um, Benita, if the court were to decide the case along the narrow lines Michael suggested, uh, would it be a big deal or, or just a small uh, uh, carve-out to, uh, to anti-discrimination laws? I don't think that there is a possible narrowing principle <clears throat> that, um, that would work here without completely overturning anti-discrimination principles on their head. Um, and to get to Professor Garnett's point, if the, the point in this case is that if a bakery provides custom cakes to straight couples, it has to provide those very same cakes to LGBT customers. If it doesn't, it is discriminating against people based on who they are. And I, that has been the principle that has been objected to in a long line of cases. And so um, the argument that the baker was willing to sell different cakes to uh the LGBT customers who came to his shop does not actually answer the question or provide any relief. Uh, if that baker provides those cakes with the wedding cakes to straight couples, he has to provide those same cakes to LGBT customers. I think that it is, you know, I, I think that we have to be very careful that in this country, freedom of speech doesn't give a business the, that is open to the public the right to discriminate against gay customers. Um, this is a situation here where the bakery um, <clears throat> routinely sells wedding cakes to straight couples, but it refused to sell a wedding cake to the couple here because they are gay. And that's discrimination. That's very different from refusing to sell a product that a business doesn't sell to anyone. So let's say... Uh, somebody comes in and wants a swastika cake and the business says, we're not going to make that cake. We're not going to make it for you and we're not going to make it for anyone who comes in the shop. Businesses can have policies about the kinds of products that they refuse to sell. What they can't do is refuse uh, service because of who the customer is and that's what's happening here in this case. And providing... I, I also think it's important that to, to recognize that providing commercial services doesn't mean that a business is endorsing anyone's marriage or agreeing with everything that a customer believes. It just simply means that you're providing the same services to the public and that you're open to everyone on the same terms. Um, Jack Phillips has gone on national TV telling his story. Uh, so these laws don't stop businesses or people like Jack Phillips from expressing their opinions or beliefs about things. It's just that a law that bars discrimination um, it doesn't violate free speech protections just because it requires the store to take down a whites-only sign. And this is where... Uh, this is what is at stake here in this case, and it's why it's hard to fathom that there's any possible narrowing principle that could work here without opening the door to basically upending decades of precedent um, and uh, history around uh, carve-outs, for example, uh, of, of people based on who they are, the color of their skin, or whom they love. Thank you so much for that. Well, it is time for closing arguments in this really fascinating and important case. And Michael, the first uh, argument is to you. 
Why do you believe that the Colorado public accommodation law violates the First Amendment as applied to Jack Phillips, who doesn't want to create a custom wedding cake for same-sex weddings? Because as applied to him here, what it constitutes is compelled speech. Uh, and again, I think that cases like Hurley, uh, which uh, again was a public accommodation sexual orientation case about whether or not a group could um, not include uh, an LGBT group in a parade, um, and West Virginia versus Barnett, the Pledge of Allegiance case that I mentioned before, Woolley versus Maynard, the New Hampshire license plate case, uh, all of those cases together stand for the view that when application of, when the government would force you to express a view or to endorse a, a position to which you disagree, that that runs into serious First Amendment problems. And that's even true in the context of uh, anti-discrimination and public accommodations law. I want to underscore that very strongly. That's, the, that's uh, what uh, Hurley tells us. And so, again, I think there's a way of limiting the principle here in such a way that it doesn't undermine uh, all the anti-discrimination law uh, because uh, Jack Phillips here isn't operating, you know, a, like I said, a gas station. Instead, what he's doing is he's engaging in custom-made, bespoke, artistic creativity, and he has uh, sincere religious objections to participating in uh, same-sex weddings, and the Colorado's effort here, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission's effort here to force him to do so under the penalty of losing uh, much of his profit, I think, is uh, constitutes compelled uh, compelled expression, and I think that uh, the court will agree that that's a problem for the first under the First Amendment. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Vinita, the last word is to you. Why do you believe that the Colorado public accommodation law does not violate the First Amendment as applied to Jack Phillips? So to put it simply, this case isn't about decorating a cake. It's really about whether we allow, with the government's blessing, businesses operating in the public sector a license to discriminate. And the Supreme Court has already spoken on this issue. As I mentioned, in 1964, not long after the landmark Civil Rights Act was enacted, a small chain of barbecue restaurants in South Carolina called Piggy Park continued to refuse service to black customers. And like the owners of the Masterpiece Cake Shop, the Piggy Park owner argued that his religious beliefs about racial integration should allow him to break the law. And he was rebuked uh, by the highest court in the land. And the Supreme Court also rejected Bob Jones University's argument that it had a freedom of religion right to refuse to admit interracial couples or students who supported interracial marriage. Uh, as a nation, we believe that businesses that are open to the public should be open to everyone on the same terms, and that includes customers who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. Uh, this is crucial to upholding our country's promise of equal treatment under the law for everyone. Uh, of course, businesses and their owners have a right to express themselves and practice their religion, and, but those freedoms don't give businesses open to the public the right to discriminate when serving their customers. And a ruling allowing discrimination here would really turn the Constitution's promise of equal treatment under the law on its head. It would have implications far beyond LGBT people. It would put into jeopardy longstanding laws against discrimination across the country. It would also threaten protections against discrimination for people of color, women, people with disabilities, religious minorities, and others. And equal justice under law is a phrase that's engraved on the front of the Supreme Court building, and the Supreme Court now must use the Masterpiece Cake Shop to once again reaffirm the principle that there is equal justice under law and that there is no constitutional right to discriminate. 
Thank you so much, Vinita Gupta and Michael Moreland, for an eloquent, civil, and substantive discussion of one of the most important uh, First Amendment and equal protection cases of the term. Uh, listeners, here's your homework. After the argument on December 5th, I want you to read the transcripts in the oral argument. That will give you a sense of what the justices are saying. And of course, when the decision comes down, read it. Read the majority opinion, read the dissent, if there is one, and make up your own minds. Vanita, Michael, thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Today's show was engineered by Kevin Kilburn and produced by Ugana Etze and Scott Bomboy. Research was provided by Lana Ulrich. Please subscribe to We the People and our companion podcast live at America's Town Hall on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. The National Constitution Center is offering continuing legal education credits for Select America's Town Hall program. How exciting if you're a lawyer to be able to get your credits from our really interesting and substantive programs. So please visit constitutioncenter.org forward slash CLE for more information. And please, this is really important. Rate the podcast on iTunes and other platforms. It helps other people learn about what we do and helps us spread the light of constitutional education. And finally, the National Constitution Center is a private nonprofit. We rely on the generosity of people around the country who are inspired by our nonpartisan mission and eager to take the time to educate themselves about these difficult and important constitutional issues like you. Please consider becoming a member to support our work, including this podcast. Visit constitutioncenter.org forward slash membership to learn more. On behalf of the National Constitution Center, I'm Jeffrey Rosen.